Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. It is July 12th, 2020, 2020, the year of the pandemic. Uh, it's episode 16 of my COVID-19 series. I've done this for 16 weeks in a row, which, I mean, it seems like a lot of weeks, actually, uh, but I had done 100 episodes of my podcast before that, took a little break to be a stay-at-home dad, and then we got daycare, and I became a full-time insolvency counselor. Not a lot of time for podcasting during that time. So uh, I was on a break and I was thinking, I'll, I'll come back when I'm ready. Uh, this pandemic kind of pushed me into it a little early because I wanted to connect with people that I know, people around the world, people who I don't get to see very much, uh, who have different experiences and can talk about what it's like for them during this COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, in this specific case, this week, uh, my friends started a podcast. Uh, it just happened to be during the pandemic, though uh, I believe uh, maybe some recording was done beforehand. It was all released uh, during this time. And uh, I know at least one episode was done uh, socially distanced. Um, so today I have, uh, I have uh, Bryn Burney and Aaron Yeager, who are uh, two out of three co-hosts of uh, the podcast. That was a show. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bo. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to know about your uh, COVID-19 experience and maybe how it's uh, affected your personal finances or what way you went with, you know, if you needed government uh, support and, you know, uh, like that kind of thing. But also then we're going to talk about the podcast because I love it. It's probably my, my favorite things because, you know, I listen to personal finance shows all the time right? <laughs> and uh you know there may or may not accidentally be some money stuff in in your uh, episodes but it's not a personal finance show uh it's about uh failed uh, sitcoms specifically right from yeah. the 90s yeah. failed or forgotten failed or forgotten yes yeah because i guess fail is a a bit of a subjective term yeah or? i mean there's the one of the, the the elements of our show is like obviously we wanted to not only talk about kind of funny failures of sitcoms from the 80s and 90s we also wanted to talk about shows that no one talks about from yes. that period so that hence the forgotten so they might have lasted longer and on paper been sort of somewhat su successful but it's just like no one remembers them and no one is like oh that was a show like yeah that was the, the yeah. perfect title because i'm sure you could have done a, a whole show about seinfeld and friends but yeah. that's probably been done already, yeah. right? It's been done, and, and that would yeah. be the easy thing to do. It's the, the easy thing to do. The 80s and 90s, I, I kind of describe as peak sitcom. So it was a time, if you think of like an equivalent being the dot-com boom of the late 90s and early 2000s, where it almost feels like every idea had, had uh, resources thrown at it. And just the vast number of sitcoms that were made during that time is... Mm -hmm almost hard to believe. So whenever someone asks <laughs> us, are you ever going to run out of shows to talk about? Absolutely not. The more we research this, the more we just can't even keep up with how many sitcoms were made that lasted like five episodes or 17 episodes and no one remembers them. That, that's incredible. Uh, you know, you just had me thinking, I, I think I, I read a stat once that there's uh, like so many less sitcoms now. Am I wrong or is it all just Netflix shows now? Well, I mean, there are sitcoms, there are half an hour comedies, but they're mainly called like half an hour comedies. And yeah. Do they, is the sitcom still in existence? Like it the is, format? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Definitely. It depends how someone uses the word, though. Like capital yeah. S sitcom, some people think of as the three camera show shot in front of a live studio audience. Like sure. what we know of as a classical sitcom. And those shows were, were produced almost like a stage play with a limited number of sets and with a live audience. And you were speaking of shows like Seinfeld and Friends. One could argue that those were the shows that kind of foreshadowed the transition from mm. that style into what most TV comedy does now, which is shot cinematically, single cam, no audience, kind of like the way that most dramas are produced. So and, uh, like yeah. 30 Rock, for example, would be an exactly. example of that. Yeah. And that 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 seemed a little bit unprecedented, uh, you know, at the time. And then everything became that mm-hmm. um, most Netflix shows. But. Uh, just speaking of that, a sitcom is situation comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so correct. just for the, anyone who doesn't know the <laughs> term. Uh, so uh, I'm thinking of a couple that have been on Netflix, and I was surprised to either hear laugh tracks or perhaps even a live audience still. Do you know uh, examples of any of those? There was one with Ashton Kutcher, I think. Oh, Maybe not a live the audience, ranch. But the ranch. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not good. Also, she's the encyclopedia between the two of us. So yeah. when it comes to trying to remember... Some some reference. She's the one who's probably going to remember it. I remember you said that in one of the episodes that uh, you know the, your other co-host uh, Andrew, also known as Barry, uh, and and Bryn are the you know like absorbing the TV for their entire childhood. That's that's was was more your your thing, right, Bryn? Yeah, yeah. And Aaron, you were where maybe Bryn and Barry would have absorbed everything and watched everything that they could. You, uh, I believe you said that you weren't necessarily interested in watching like every show that was out there. I watched a lot of shows that were out there, but I would say that I maybe don't have the memory to retain. Ah, it's a memory thing. Okay. If it's something that I saw once, I probably don't have the memory to retain it. The reason I do have encyclopedic knowledge of Seinfeld, but that's because (laughs) I've watched every episode 50 times. Okay. I would equate that show to being more like my relationship with music, where it's like, no matter gotcha. how many times I hear a Beatles song, I'm not going to get tired of hearing it again and again. And so it's a show that almost falls into that category, where my knowledge of it is something that is repetitive versus yes. versus the kind of amazing memories that uh, Brendan I think Barry I'm more have. like you. Yeah, I'm more like you. I have that of Friends because I watch them on, on repeat all the time when they were on in syndication. Um, because, and I never had exposure when I was, uh, when I w- they were actually on cause I didn't have cable and such. Um, but, uh, like I said, I could talk to you guys about all of these <laughs> things, uh, the, the whole show and never even get into COVID or personal finance, but let's touch on that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get back and you can tell us uh, about the podcast specifically, uh, and, and origin about that. And in terms of, uh, the format, cause I like all your little segments and stuff too. And I, I want to uh, talk about those. So uh, let's uh, let's go back to uh, uh, say pre-pandemic, just just pre or where where were you? You were working. You were you're you're you both are married. Uh, I think yeah. uh, d- I, do, yeah. I don't know if we'd mentioned that. We're yet. married to each other. <laughs> married to each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're both recording in your home yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, uh, yeah, uh, who, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, so I guess I'll, yeah, just a little snapshot was, you know, we were both working full time and we were actually um, planning what was supposed to be our first anniversary trip slash honeymoon because we had put off our honeymoon 
Um, we got married in May of 2019, May 4th, 2019. And uh, yeah, we, we're very busy. You know, we work full time and we have a lot of creative projects that we do uh, together as um, creative partners. And uh, yeah, it, it, we just didn't have any time to plan the honeymoon until about a year later. So we were, you know, getting all of that wrapped up. We had this like epic Europe trip. Uh, planned nice. and Aaron and I hadn't ever traveled together internationally and had barely even gone on a vacation together. So this was oh, something wow, we okay. were, this we a were big pretty, deal. yeah, it was a big deal. We were pretty pumped up uh, for it. And then obviously, you know, February and March. There was definitely a period where we had booked all of our flights yeah. and we yes. were starting to book hotels and make all of the rest of the plans and uh, things started to there kind were whispers. of yeah and there was a period in february and into early march where we were thinking like is this something that we should be really concerned about are we going to need to cancel our trip and there was definitely yeah. that period of time where i think these things were kind of hazy to a lot yeah, of us here it was unclear and then it got to be i think it was coming into the second week of March where we were like, okay, like ethically we shouldn't go on this trip. And then ultimately the decision was made for us that, you know, we weren't going to be traveling internationally. Yeah. Um, Between we, we had basically made that decision on a personal level. We're like, it's not right for us to go on a trip right now. And then it was like, okay, well, you're not going anyway. Yeah, we made <laughs> so, the decision ourselves, and yeah. then it was confirmed moments yeah. later when the government advised <laughs> against all non-essential yeah. travel. Yeah, it makes that easier, right? Because uh, yeah, I, I kind of jumped the gun uh, about one day before the government made us all go home, and I was like, uh, our company was like, if you want to work home, work mm-hmm. from home, you can do that, right? Yeah. And and we're making arrangements, and I was like, yes, please, thank you, let's yeah. do that. And everyone's like, what's your rush? And then the next day <laughs> yeah. it was made, right? So a lot of it's us are b- probably more like ready that. to, yeah. to, or more aware, like, you know, hyper yeah. aware of these things. Exactly. And uh, we all have different levels of anxiety and, yeah. and lef- levels of uh, uh, just, uh, I don't know, tolerance of this kind of thing right. or, or uh, doing research. Did you have yeah. a, an experience uh, uh, like that? I was definitely starting to research the situation mm-hmm. pretty intensely and having conversations with, other people I worked with um, talking about what's happening and whether it's... I, I remember having a lot of conversations with people where we were all being very tentative but starting to feel our way through the level of concern that we should be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And yes. then <laughs> yeah. when things yeah. did start to, to become very serious, yeah. uh, everything seemed to move so fast. It, it escalated really quickly. Yeah, it all... And um, another element... Uh, to mention, which is just like a very unfortunate coincidence, is that my mom had has been dealing with a bit of a health crisis that is completely oh. unrelated to um, COVID-19, but it's just like a really bad coincidence. She's yeah. fine now, I will say. Like she's okay. she's like her situation has stabilized. Sure. Um, but she has been in some form of hospital ever since March. Wow. Yeah, and she went into hospital yeah. right around the same time yeah. when things were starting to lock down for reasons oh. completely unrelated to COVID. Yeah, yeah so we but were, made her we situation were, more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we were dealing with like 
multiple like a hat on top of a hat on top of, of course of a hat. that's all we need so is more stress when it's already yeah. a stressful situation so yeah. you were thinking about your mom is, so is she gonna be okay my mom. yeah and um obviously we were very limited in like our interactions with her um again it was like that same week like that second week of march that you know our, we were coming to terms with the fact that our trip was canceled then my mom went into the hospital then ultimately i was laid off from where i was working okay and i was like okay now i can like be available to my family and then yeah, like the silver lining right yeah that that was that's how i looked at it but then it was co- becoming obvious that i wouldn't even be able to go visit her at all and we we were able to go in and visit her she had to go she was transported from windsor to london we were able to visit her briefly in london before everything completely shut down and basically it's been video chats and phone calls ever since and yeah i'm happy to report that 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 situation has um like my mom is is recovering and doing well, it's a like a bit of a life altering situation, but she is she's doing, you know, as well as could be expected. Um, That's so good to and hear. yeah, but yeah. So as all of this, it's just kind of been something we've been taking day by day um, at one point, like obviously um, the like about like, I don't know, like what, two weeks after that, the government ordered non-essential services be shut down. Yeah, that was the point where I stopped working because okay. the type of work I was doing was not an essential service. And that was definitely the responsible move on the part of the government. And so there was a time when both of us were on the CERB, the CERB Program. And just, uh, Aaron, generally you work in the film industry. Film and yeah. film and video and media production. Yeah, right. Um, and that's one of, the, one of the industries that, I mean, you can't, you can, uh, there's some pivoting being done, but a lot of it is working with other people directly, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very collaborative industry yeah. in general. Absolutely. And so among other industries that were heavily affected, um, it largely (laughs) shut down as a result and so um being not an essential service it's understandable and so that uh caused us to both start really looking at the idea of a household budget which is something we had never done before okay so so you um i'm curious uh, it didn't come up at all like as the the wedding was approaching or what about what about that situation was just I mean, that whole period of we had lived together for two years before we got married. Yeah. And, you know, we were managing like there were some weird there were some like it was a very day to day kind of situation because I wasn't back in school okay. a couple years ago as well. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, our finances were you know it's something it was like a daily like a daily conversation but like not a long-term conversation okay it was like how are we gonna get through this month how are we gonna you know like you know we were just kind of so you're figuring it out but you didn't have a real concrete reason to do it uh thinking that you say you might run out of money like like now right like on serve and then when we found ourselves on a very specific yeah you have this budget yeah Yeah. we have this number (laughs) of like you know we, we were able to really look at everything and look at our spending and, 
see where we could really, you know, obviously we, we love food. Yep. <laughs> so we were, we were, we were spending <laughs> a lot of money on food. Uh, Food's probably one of our biggest hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like we were, you know, we were going out to eat because there's so many great restaurants in the area that we live in. Like we were, That's right. we were, you know, we were getting takeout. We were going out to eat. We were, you know, Aaron's like favorite grocery store was basically his place of worship. Like he, <laughs> he would like go there and just casually stroll and like, you know. Well, actually, on the topic of groceries, this is this is a, a funny difference between the two of us, and I know a lot of yeah. people fall into one category or the other but i love sure. grocery shopping i love yeah, food yeah. shopping <laughs> and i find it really tedious yeah so. yeah it's usually and there's probably a couple dynamic thing yeah i like eating the food i just don't like buying the food you know so i um i was <laughs> in the habit of just buying groceries on a day-to-day -day basis piecemeal yes. little bits at a time Partly because I actually enjoyed doing it. So I yeah, saw it more as like a fun thing, just to a day to day do. fun thing to do, not something yeah. that you plan and planning it almost takes the fun out of it. So it does. It does a lot. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever really gone to a grocery store with a shopping list before. It was your luxury, right? It was a, yeah. uh, partially your luxury, but also bu buying things that you needed to yeah. eat mm -hmm. to live. Yeah. So you're able to combine those two things. And and yeah, not everyone. Um, I mean, you should have the freedom to do that if that's in your budget, which yeah. it may very well mm -hmm. be, especially w when yeah. you're uh, both back to work, right? Well, so what happened is that we would then sit down and make an actual shopping list and say <laughs> we are, for the purposes of being responsible with the with the physical distancing thing, trying to do one grocery shopping yes. trip every two weeks approximately. And between the infrequency of it and not eating out – suddenly I'm realizing actually how big of a grocery shop I would need to do for two <laughs> yeah. to three weeks worth of food, yeah. three meals a day. And yeah, and just, yeah, it was just, it was, it was eye-opening because we were actually like looking at the numbers. We were looking at... Uh, how much we spend on food. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like it's just, and like coffees and, you know. So has that, have you like now changed your habits because of this or is it just something that you're realizing that you're dis determining whether you do need to work on it or are you accepting it as it's a big part of our life and this is how much we spend on food and that's okay what what, what are you uh, uh, settling on there i think it's there's somewhere in the middle like sure. because because you know well like well like a big a big realization is that we were for for our situation we were living a bit beyond our means and this was our opportunity to look at it and be like okay like we we should we should reevaluate how we're spending and you know kind of work within a budget like transport the budget that we're on that we were on while both on CERB and bring it into quote unquote normal life whenever that <laughs> is fully normal yeah. um that's and, that's fantastic. And you know, and yeah, and like you know, there's there's a balance, right? We want to be happy. We want to, you know, do the things that make us happy, which is indulge in in good food, yeah, I mean, in strike, healthy food. Striking that balance between enjoying the day to day and yeah. planning for the future is yep. 
is yeah. a crazy one. Yeah. These are conversations I have every day with insolvency clients. It's it's yeah. just interesting that you can get the same effect by going through this kind of income reduction in, in a pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want totally. people to have to become completely insolvent to have these realizations you're having. So this exactly. is very inspiring to hear. We yeah. I mean, we are like we are fortunate that we were able to take a step back and look at everything. And another thing we we um, sort of realized as a family is we weren't planning enough for emergencies mm. and that something we want to work toward um is to have a more of a cushion put aside like not Perfect. that we want it this to happen again but no but uh, it makes you think right you know, it really does it really does yeah and one other thing i would say about serb is we are in the privileged position of being a couple who live yeah. together. Double and serve. So yeah. that means that we are able to support each other and share most of our expenses. And yes. although we were able to make it work, um, I would imagine that for a lot of people who are living alone uh, in a big city where the cost of living is relatively high, like a Toronto or a Vancouver, Mm -hmm. then it would be a very tight, very stressful situation. If you have four children and are a single parent, oh you don't God. get more than $2,000. I can't yeah. imagine. It, they like didn't I make a difference. Now, you get your child tax, but you were getting that already, right? right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. whatever you were doing to work to make $2,000 or probably more, now yeah. you're only getting two, and that's not that's not a net of tax, right? Yeah. Uh, save your taxes, by the way, for the <laughs> for the Serb. Oh yeah, uh, on on top of it, <laughs> I already have a little stash. Um, so yeah, you know you you are fortunate to have a double Serb family, and uh, you know just in this specific case, you don't have any dependents at the moment, right? No. No, Other just our freeloading cat. Baby gizmo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so you're, you know, we, we should acknowledge that, you know, it is uh, in relatively a privileged position to be in. Um, you know, maybe you even had a little bit of savings as a buffer just in case. Yes. yes. So, maybe, yeah. and I think it is important to acknowledge the relative privilege that we've yeah. managed to come into yeah. this situation with. Like, I think, I think our stress has for the most part, been more like anxiety about the state of the world and, COVID, uh, not money. you know, and the, like the personal yeah. dynamics in, in our families with, you know, like my, my, uh, my mom being in the hospital, like that's been like the bigger stress, uh, and just feeling like, you know, so many elements are somewhat out of our control. So many unknowns. Yeah, so much uncertainty. So much. Uh, so much is out of our control. The like it. It was. It was good to um, have a couple of things that were within our control, which was, of course, uh, managing this day to day budget, um, at our family budget, and then, of course, like all of the personal, like the professional and creative development that we did. Um, that was self-directed and yeah. that includes our podcast. So exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and I want to get to that in one sec. I just yeah. want to acknowledge that it's this is a great thing to be able to take away from this. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I said, it's what people go through when they go through insolvency. It's like learn how to live at your most basic. But then, yeah, you don't change that when your lifestyle inflates. Exactly. Again. Yeah. And That's kind of our plan. As yeah. Well. 
Fantastic. And then you're probably thinking about goals like your emergency fund, as you as you said, mm-hmm. um, and whatever you, you might be thinking about more goals for the future in terms of what what is money for, right? Rather mm-hmm. than other than just the day to day, and yeah, uh, yeah th- this is really really good stuff. But yes, uh, and out of all of this, you, you this podcast um, is the source of of le- like levity and and. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a good distraction. We all need these kinds of things. Right? It's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you both on the show is because this is such, uh, it you know, an entertaining show uh, for me. Uh, I grew up in the ni- in the 90s as well. Uh, I didn't see. Did I see any of these shows yet? No, I don't think so. I don't wasn't <laughs> even aware. I think I think uh, Aaron, did you say you weren't aware of townies b- in e- existing at the time? I was not. I don't think I was aware of any of these shows that we've done so far. Although yeah. townies, when we started talking about that show, it was the first of the w- of the episodes we've done where I thought, had I known this existed at the time, it does seem like something I probably would have watched. Yeah, because it's similar to yeah. other shows that I did gravitate toward at the time. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, unfortunately, I knew of most of the shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you you each picked some of these shows, yeah, right? Yourselves, yeah. right? Which like, ones did you pick, uh, uh, Bryn? Um, so my first pick was Teen Angel, um, okay. and uh, Townies was my second pick because I remembered Townies and I watched Townies like at the time and you know really i i remember enjoying it and i just wondered whatever happened with that show and then yeah and that, that's what yeah. a lot of these uh, shows are are, are, mm-hmm. are yeah. about right it's like did anything happen to them and you you have a segment in the show in terms of uh, the success stories uh right from whoever yeah. made it through townies is a big one so townies yeah. is like the blue collar friends right um, well yeah that's that's th- what they were trying to do Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned that you're um, a big fan of Friends, and it's a show that weaves its way through our discussions a lot. Yeah, it does. Six that, Degrees of Friends, right? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't something we set out to do at the very start to keep referencing Friends, other than the Six Degrees of Friends, which, Bryn, would you like to? This is a segment that she does. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something I I I kind of noticed in. You know, I kind of go down a lot of IMDb uh, rabbit, rabbit holes. Rabbit holes, yeah. So, you know, if if a show, basically how, how we present it in our podcast is that if it's a show that was produced within, you know, a certain amount of time of friends, like if it's within 20 years of friends, there's going to be multiple connections. Yeah, And of it's course. a whole play on that six degrees of, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon theory, <laughs> but it's six degrees of friends and we've been able to connect it well within six degrees every yeah, time. Not even so getting far. the six, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah like, it's usually one it's or usually two. T- yeah. Like <laughs> at the most it's, it's like three. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quite amusing that way. And we have, you know, a couple of upcoming episodes that, you know, are going to be released fairly soon that have some interesting connections well, so um, Townies, like you mentioned, is sort of comes across as the blue collar friends in a small fishing village mm-hmm. outside Boston. Yes. The, Gl- the Gloucester, right? Gloucester. Gloucester. <laughs> I had trouble pronouncing that. Gloucester. Gloucester, Mass. Yeah. The <laughs> you do yeah. the accent better than we could. Um, <laughs> the next episode that we're releasing in the coming few days is okay. 
uh, about a show called Muddling Through. This is one of my picks. And, Muddling Through. Yeah. And it also has uh, a more direct connection to Friends that I'll just tease a little bit, which yeah. is that yeah, if you can, it was it was produced like 10 minutes before the first season of Friends. So Jennifer oh. Aniston co-stars in this show. Really? And she oh, contractually wow. committed to it before <laughs> Friends. So they shot the first run of episodes of Muddling Through. They shot the first half season of Friends, the, the first half of season one of Friends. And had Muddling Through been picked up to be renewed she would have been contractually obligated to leave Friends, <laughs> do muddling through, and they would have had to recast Rachel Green on Friends. Oh, and my God. So there's a parallel universe, presumably, somewhere where that transpired. <laughs> um, and in the episode, we talk a bit about what has come out um, in the last couple of years about how how that all played out. and oh, okay. So um, we have background on that. Yeah, some yeah. background on that, which is kind of fun. Um it's yes. a conspiracy. Well, <laughs> it reminds me of what you said. I, I think it was Al Jean, uh, who was a showrunner um, for uh, one of the... He was on The Simpsons, right? Did I get the name right? Yeah, Al Jean went from The Simpsons to... Um, was it Whoops? It was uh, Teen Angel. Teen Angel. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was I think Angel, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Right, yeah. And the guy left The Simpsons, what, at, at the height of it for... Yeah. Or, just, Just as it was becoming huge. <laughs> yeah. And then went and did that stinker Teen Angel. Uh, and then went back to, they took yeah. him back at the Simpsons. Yeah, they took him back. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I guess you want to, uh, did you talk about why that might have been that he would have done that? Just to get more creative control or something? Or I wh mean, why would somebody I, do that in general? Um, you know, it's any, any writer wants to do their own thing. You know, OK, yeah, sure. You know, I can speak to that as a as a screenwriter. Like, yeah, you know, I you know, if I were working on someone else's TV show, naturally, if I had an opportunity to make my own TV show, I would jump all over that. Okay. Um, but and you don't know that it's going to be a, a bomb like exactly, Teen Angel. exactly. And the, the thing we you know, we we see so often it happens now still, too. But back then, especially, there was so much interference with like the powers that be where the show just gets kind of whittled away or it or it was a problematic um, premise to begin with. But it, it like there's so many elements that come into play in making a TV show that, you know, you have all these great intentions going into it. And and uh, like you have all these great ideas, but then how they're executed really depends on a lot of other people and a lot of other elements that are out of yeah, your control. So, so many factors. One one thing that we're noticing with a lot of the shows that we're talking about is that the show might seem like a failure and there might be something about it that just feels like it doesn't work. But usually there are also some elements that seem like it has something going for it, like yeah. Often, often the cast is pretty solid. Yeah, often it's usually great, really talented great performers actors. in all of these shows. And often well, the showrunners or the creators have a track record of having done at least one extremely successful show before. So of course. Our very and, or after. Or after. Yeah. And our very first episode, Aliens in the Family, oh. um, you know, you have the Jim Henson Company, you have the creators of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 
Yeah, that ex- surprised me. The Fresh Prince creators, uh, but you can't make magic every time, right? No, exactly. Yeah. You can't make magic every time. And when there's too many hands in the pot, it, it really it really makes things weird and complicated. Um, like what we see a lot is like a, like the Teen Angel example is is a funny one because it seems like the type of show that should have been more edgy. Okay. But the tone is weird because it, it was like uh, made for a TGIF audience, like for a family audience. And then whoops would have been the same sort of situation, right? Where they, well, the, you, you, both of you talk about how they just could have done it just a little bit differently yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for yeah. any of these shows. And they just, but like for like whoops is a, a, a good uh, example of, you know, the apocalypse uh, happens and, and they're all <laughs> the second episode was about repopulating, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoops was my first pick. <laughs> and um it's so high concept. And we kept talking about how a show like this could be made today on yeah. let's say Netflix or HBO. And yeah. it would be done in a very different style. It'd be shot differently, it'd be written differently, and it could explore these big, weighty existential themes in a way that could actually be really entertaining. But this was basically like cheers in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Sure. So it's just yeah. six people hanging out in a house delivering the sort of hammy one-liners that you would expect of a very typical multicam sitcom of the time. Mm-hmm. So the the style of the show, the actual execution, never really rises to the challenge of the concept. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's like I, it's like the world wasn't ready for that kind of show yet. So they made it in a really weird sitcom, like 90s sitcom vacuum or something. <laughs> now, well, and, and uh, my temptation is to say, well, that was how everything was at the time. But then there yeah. were the uh, successful ones like Cheers is a, a successful yeah. example of that. Where there was, yeah, everything was one, li- I mean, you know, uh, Carla and Woody dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Like, there, there, th- a lot of it could be considered a little bit a lowbrow or campy or whatever now, but it's like these shows that you're talking about took it even to, like, the furthest depths of this, Exactly. Right? Well, it's kind of like after the movie Die Hard was made, everyone kept pitching action movies that were like, <laughs> okay. this is okay. Die Hard on a boat, this is Die Hard on an airplane, <laughs> this is Die yeah. Hard in a, you know, whatever the location may be. And Cheers was such a breakthrough successful sitcom that in a way transitioned us from the 80s into the 90s. And I think a lot of shows during and after were pitched as this is Cheers in a, so Cheers was in a bar, this is Cheers in a school, this is Cheers in a restaurant, this is Cheers in a... Yeah, okay. And it does feel like, a lot of those tropes would then get recycled. Whereas Cheers was successful in part because people do hang out in a bar and chit chat. It is a location where that truly does make sense. And to take that same character dynamic and that same style of humor and just apply it to any setting isn't necessarily going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, like, so to, to use townies as an example, all-star cast 
yeah. Molly Ringwald, Jenna Elfman, <laughs> and Lauren Graham, who yeah. Lauren Graham went on to do what ten seasons of Gilmore Girls, yeah. right? More like, like and which, Gilmore which, herself. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And and she uh, like more uh, that is considered to be a comedy, even though it's not a yeah. sitcom, right? It's yeah. a comedy that is a drama comedy. Is a dramedy? Is that the best term for that show? I don't know. I mean, I think I feel like dramedy is kind of a made-up thing but yeah, yeah. but how would you classify it's not a sitcom definitely and it's it was a, it's, was it's it an hour, hour long it is it's yeah. an hour it's an hour long drama but, but it was funny yeah like you know in in some ways i guess like the mm-hmm. the character herself was funny yeah. and then then we have uh um uh, suki who i can't remember the um actor's name right now um but she uh she's hilarious um uh, melissa uh, melissa mccarthy melissa, right yeah so Melissa McCarthy goes on to do a million comedies, right? Mm-hmm. And so that you know the success stories that you uh, you talk about when you talk about yeah. these shows is these people uh, have made gold or will make gold, and then yeah. they're just trapped in this. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to call it uh, purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> of a of a of a horrible show. <laughs> 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 right and, yeah. and they're just like waiting to for it to finish or right. like and that's very getting, yeah. that's very true with townies with jenna elfman because immediately after she was dharma like dharma and greg she got and the dharma w- the dharma and greg deal like like basically halfway through the season when they knew it was going to be canceled they she had gotten her deal to be immediately yeah so she was just kind of like biding her time <laughs> <laughs> and and is it the same thing for Aniston and the one you're about to go through or without no, more that's spoilers? No, different, but we're, yeah. we're going to, you know, we're going you, you get to... A, you'll get into that. Yeah, you'll... you'll you have you'll, to listen to the episode to find out. <laughs> yeah. but, but but I will say that uh, I, I believe Jennifer Aniston was involved in four other sitcoms before Friends took yeah, off. Yeah, and they were all mm. like not, yeah. su- not successful shows. Yeah. But one thing we talk about that we do talk about is that her raw talent is immediately evident. From the yeah. first okay. minute she's on screen, sure. and I think that's a case with Jenna Elfman, with um, Jennifer Aniston, that you can see within their first line yeah. of dialogue why someone wants to put them in a starring role in a sitcom. They are very talented, and the, there's some charisma there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Immediate charisma, and yeah. sitcoms are such a performer and actor-driven medium, especially back then when it was a multicam sitcom and often created in at least in conjunction with people from the stand-up comedy world so it's such a almost like a stage performer medium and such an actor-driven medium that where where this is very different from let's say talking about failed b-movies where there aren't any elements to grasp onto as why someone would have made this or why um why you would love this uh movie uh, sitcoms were almost like this community of really talented performers who would bounce from show idea to show idea, and mm. uh, so it's they got to keep working, right? Like that, the the Aniston example of she had all these deals lined up or all these mm-hmm. things that she tried. One of them's gonna one of them's gonna hit. Yeah. You know, um, the I guess uh, Courtney Cox was in a Bruce Springsteen video or something like that. Oh Is yeah, that she's pulled right? on on stage or yeah. But but it, it wasn't like really a spontaneous pull on stage. Obviously, she was cast in mm-hmm. that video and it was a whole thing. But yeah, she danced. It, it's the um, what video is that? Is that the. Not uh, Glory Days? No, no, it was. Uh, oh, 
usually dancing in the dark. <laughs> dancing <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm sure I'm sure like because I feel like now I I want to show from from the the three of you which is uh, you know how is a sitcom successful now but I feel like you're talking about that as you're talking about the unsuccessful ones yeah. you're referencing uh, Friends for example and Seinfeld what made them successful so you're gonna kind of cover all of that as you go um, yeah. but like every one of those cast members. You know, either uh, exposure from modeling. I'm guessing. I think Matt LeBlanc maybe, or somebody had mm. exposure from modeling. Um, you know, it's like they all have something. They're working. Yeah. They're working their ass off, right? Well, yeah. And um, uh, Lisa Kudrow was originally in Frasier. She was Roz. In, she was in. She oh. was the original Roz in Frasier. <laughs> okay. And she was let go. And replaced by Perry Gilpin, or yeah, it's Gilpin. Yeah, Perry yeah. Gilpin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she that, was like, like she didn't even make it the pilot, or there was a pilot. I think she didn't. I I'm not sure. I I'm not sure if they shot a pilot with her in it, but I know that she was replaced, and she thought that was like the end of her career, and she thought like I'm never gonna make anything of myself, and then she was cast as Phoebe and Friends, like shortly after. And when did when did Mad About You? When was her character in that? Was that previous to Frasier thing? I forget when Mad About You was around. Uh, yeah, I think Mad About You is... I'm not sure. Because that's, like a, that's a really interesting crossover to me, yeah, too, right? Yeah, that is right? a fun out, uh, crossover because her character in Mad About You is Ursula Buffay, who's Phoebe Buffay's sister. Twi- twin. Twin sister. And, and, and in, in so my mind, she still exists in the Mad About You world. Yeah, well, Mad About You... Which is very fun for me to think yeah, about. Was well, <laughs> right? was well before Friends, so... Yeah. I'm not sure where, like, she might have already been in Mad About You when Frasier became a thing. It's almost like a yeah. comic book universe yeah. where you have these characters yeah. waving no, between that's it, right? Stories. The NBC comedies of the nine, eight, late yeah. 80s and early so 90s. This is, this is our, our segment um, that Bryn leads that's kind of on this topic we call the spinoff. Yeah. And this yes. is one of the things I've been finding fascinating as we've been researching this because... We also, again, like we enjoy watching, let's say, a, a bad movie and trying to, you know, see why it doesn't work or laughing at that. But sitcoms are such a unique beast in the sense that we are getting to see all of mm-hmm. these connections and seeing the talent of a lot of the performers who try sometimes desperately to make to make these shows work. And um, you mentioned Frasier. And of course, it's... Um, well known as being the most or one of the most successful spin-offs. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. And this is our next uh run of a few episodes because we kind of accidentally fell into a rhythm where every few episodes are loosely connected with some sort of theme or style element. So okay. our first three episodes are very high concept shows. Yes. Then we do a few in a row that are much more like the low concept hangout shows yep. that are ultimately what most of the popular sitcoms of the 90s and 80s were like, uh, such as Townies or the one that we talked about earlier, Muddling Through. Yep. And uh, we're about to start recording some episodes about fail- spin-off. failed yeah. spinoffs. Okay. And um, <laughs> so, Any spoilers there? Any titles? Uh, we could probably give a title. Yeah, like today, later today, we're actually recording an episode on Joni Loves Chachi. Okay, wow, <laughs> which was a spinoff of Happy Days, of yeah? Happy yes. Days, yeah. Everyone's heard the term Joni Loves Chachi. Yes. And 
but very few have seen this show. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, was Charles in Charge another? Yeah, spin-off? yeah, Scott. Yeah, Bayo. that's the one that I would be more aware of. And yeah. actually, that was a success. What? Yeah, or that's no? a yeah. successful show. Yeah, so you, you don't like, for example, I was thinking about Aliens in the Family. Alf was a successful version of an alien in in a family. Or are not successful. Well, it wasn't Alf. a spinoff, but it was a no, relatively. Not a spinoff. It yeah. was a relatively successful. Yeah, similar I mean, type it ran show. for like a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. and so it was huge in the pop culture, like zeitgeist. Like it was like. Yeah, huge. right. Alf. Everybody knows yeah, Alf. Nobody Alf knows is an icon. what's what's the baby's what's the baby's name in the Aliens in the Family. Boba. Nobody Boba. remembers Boba. <laughs> and um, of course, there was that show Dinosaurs. Which, yes, which was successful. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Well, it didn't last long, but it's generally it's had re- such a huge it impact. Had impact, especially it, on people culture. in our age group. Yeah, you know, Not like, the a bit mama. of a cult following to that yeah. one. So it's almost like Freaks and Geeks, where even though it didn't last a long time, it had an outsized impact. Yeah. Whereas. Yeah. Aliens in the Family did not. Did not. And so that's the ones you're going to talk about. And you're probably going to end up always finding ones that I've never heard of. Because that's yeah. the point, right? That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun, It's you know, it's a fun uh, surprise for people. And it's a. it creates a conversation. You know, we want people to go out and, like, start Googling these shows and trying to find old clips. And, like, you know, because it's just, you know, it's it's just a fun little rabbit hole you can go down. There's one I'm curious about. Uh, Herman's Head is that on your list, or that was that has successful? Come we've, up in discussion. Been, yeah, <laughs> like we've been floating that around. I think that falls more in the forgotten, forgotten. Uh, category because yeah. I think it was somewhat successful. Well, it had um, uh, Yardley Smith, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, so who plays Lisa Simpson? Yeah. So, so we have to, uh, that's, that's one we're kind of, we, we've thrown out there as, as something to potentially cover. Um, you have to have enough bad material to write in it for you to be able to do a show, <laughs> yeah. right? So if it was just like, meh, yeah, then maybe it doesn't meet the criteria. Yeah. Um, well, and we also, we really want to find a lost gem in all of this. Sure. Been, yeah, please. We haven't been successful yet, but, <laughs> but we, we are really hoping to, di- yeah. to discover that one of these shows is actually really good. We'd love to watch a show that lasted but, five episodes where we're just blown away by yeah. it. Yeah. Thinking, it was a crime to take this off the air. Yeah. Right. So that's, yeah. that's what we like our goal. Like we would really love to find that show that just no one remembers, but it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, it's not it's not uh, happened yet. But <laughs> so so uh, before we go, I, uh, how do you find these shows? Like, where do you watch them? Well, um, like YouTube or are some of them on YouTube? Yeah, if you do a search, I mean, you know, these shows are out in the ether. And They're in the world. You'll find <laughs> them. Yeah. So. I would say, like, you know, it's kind of we leave it a bit up to the listener to do their own yeah. treasure hunt. Yeah. Because you, you may have it. there may be a subscription or something you have to, to, to sign off on and not everybody has access to mm-hmm. everything. And maybe you can find some of them on YouTube or an example of it anyway. Right. Yeah. Maybe a, a trailer yeah. or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it just, you know, I'm, I just want to like, you know, they have these TV stations, you know, TV land or whatever for some of the older shows uh, yeah. for those who have cable. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of places to get them, but it's just random research. Right. You just yeah. go- just Google. <laughs> Yeah, One thing awesome. we're hoping for is to eventually come upon a show where the only way to watch it is like 
a VHS tape at a library <laughs> at a library yeah, like, or yeah. or that we buy on eBay. <laughs> Seriously, right? It's a, so yeah, and because I mean, you you've all seen or heard of these shows, or how did you how do you find the, like the idea in the first place? Like, how do, is it something you saw when you were a kid? I know Teen Angel was one of those. Is that right, Bryn? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is. I guess it's just like myself and our other host, Barry, just being way too invested in in, <laughs> yeah. in uh, television. Just like, having this list of bad culture, shows. And just like having this like running list of, oh, remember that show? Yeah. Well, that's that, that's why you came up with this show in the first place, exactly. right? I mean, otherwise you wouldn't have been able. To, is that basically the origin is that you would talk yeah. about whatever happened in this show? Yeah. And like I, you know, we we for a long time wanted to do a podcast because it is such a great medium. It is such a, you know, accessible, democratic medium. Yeah. Yeah. And we've you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts um, and we have like lots of fun conversations about pop culture. And we're like, let's just put these things together. You know, let's especially during covid times it's it's become very easy to like connect with people through the podcast and to actually create something and put something out in the world without you know leaving the house and without you know so you know we always wanted to do a podcast and you know i was like what can what can it be about what can we really dive into and i'm like what what comes naturally to me talking we yeah. talking talk a lot about, about television talking, talking about, about popular culture that that's just what comes naturally and i think it all started when i like slipped a list to to barry one day and i was like what what do all these shows have in common like <laughs> <what> is, <laughs> nice. like just like and he'd like you know laugh at, at the list because he's like oh yeah <laughs> you know and then it's like yeah they're all like canceled shows like let's yeah. You know, let's do let's something. Let's do a podcast about that. About it. And then I love it. I come at it from a slightly different direction because yeah. whereas they have this encyclopedic knowledge and memory, I come from a documentary film background. Yes. And yeah. so I'm used to researching a lot. And so the shows that I've proposed have usually come through some form of me taking a deep dive into research and... I wouldn't say there's any one way, but sometimes there will be an article that was published a decade ago where someone said, these are the top 20 worst shows of whatever time period, or here's something that you've forgotten ever existed. And then sometimes it'll be a connection from one to another or thinking about, okay, we've done several episodes about shows in the 90s. I'd love to jump back into the 80s now. And, you know, somehow that the idea of spinoffs was floated. So starting to think about failed spinoffs from the 80s and, you know, that eventually landed on a show like Joni Loves Chachi. So uh, it's perfect. Right. And I can I can tell the research that is being done. And and I do want to mention the uh, the the editing is fantastic Um, using the. uh, the laugh track as the uh, break between se- between segments, uh, or just to <laughs> just to cut somebody off who maybe uh, didn't land hundred uh, percent on the th- or said something funny but not funny. 
Um, yeah. I, I love it. It's re- it really works for me. Um, and I think, uh, you know, these are the little touches that, that people don't realize. It takes a lot of work to put this uh, kind of thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being a podcaster who doesn't edit anymore, um, <laughs> I know how long it, uh, it takes to edit things, yeah. right? Um, so uh, the, so the ha- uh, people can find your show by typing, and that was a show uh, yeah. wh- where they found this show. That's that's pretty clear. I'm going to put a yeah. link to it, of course, in there. Yeah. Uh, you're going through Anchor for now. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Hosting so that's on Anchor, and on it's definitely available on a, across, ma- all across all the major. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I use platforms. Podcast Addict app, for example. They pulled it from the iTunes database mm-hmm. and which uh, Apple Podcasts. So most things, uh, you know, once if you publish through Anchor to Apple Podcasts, then it po- populates everything else and Google as well and all that kind of stuff. Um, so just go over you look for podcasts. Actually search yeah. on the Internet. You could probably find it. I think I yeah. did. For sure. Um, and you have a, is there a contest running still right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we do from now until the end of July, July 31st, Okay, great. So there's still time because this is publishing today, right? Yeah. On yeah. July 12th. Well, there's, there's two ways to enter it. I won't uh, go into all go the details ahead, now, but I'll say that uh, on, if you follow our show on Instagram, there's some info. And if you Perfect. listen to uh, the latest couple of episodes, we talk about it too. Yeah. Great. So yeah, I mean, just basically just go and listen to the show that's the idea right you're not going to be able to enter the contest if you don't listen to an episode at least (laughs) (laughs) but if you maybe just to follow on instagram yeah i i I should shout out to brian walker who who uh, did your your art and who would be the one uh the t-shirts that are part of the contest right yeah his art is on there our amazing friend brian walker he's very talented artist he created our um cover art for the our amazing cover art from for awesome. the podcast and um we're hoping to collaborate with him on more stuff related to the podcast so he 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 created this this great cover art which is featured on t-shirts that we have available um and are part of our contest and it's heavily inspired by 80s and 90s yes. movie and tv posters i yeah. can see that the 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 neon uh colors right yeah. Uh, the uh, pink, yeah, I think fun. neon pink is uh, yeah. just yeah. bright pink. Yeah, I remember. Th- I remember that. Uh, I think I had a Varney uh, shirt or something like <laughs> that that had uh, <laughs> all those colors on it. So, uh, so yeah, that's awesome. Is there? A, uh, so you've talked a little bit about the next show coming up. Is there a specific plan, or is it just whenever uh, it hits you and whenever all of you have time to even get together, pandemic-wise? We're, what, we're, uh, what's we're the future look like? We're trying to be fairly consistent, so yeah. we're trying to release an episode every two weeks. Perfect. Um, yeah. Typically on a Tuesday every other week. Okay. And we record them a little bit of a ways in advance of release. Of course. Uh, largely to give lots of editing time and also to buffer for our day-to-day schedules. So, yeah. for instance, the episode that we record today, I would imagine will come out in a, about a month or something like that. Yeah. So you're a couple episodes ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you do have the, the muddling through uh, coming out on Tuesday? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Great. So anybody who listens to that today can go and subscribe to That Was a Show. And uh, then you'll get the next episode when it comes up. But listen to the yeah. first four or five, well, uh, four, four so plus uh, four plus episodes, an intro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you did. You did the the good podcasting thing and did an intro uh, <laughs> yeah. episode, right? Uh, that's, trailer, that's in the, yeah. It's in the podcasting handbook for sure. Yeah. Uh, I did not do that because I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Uh, my first show it starts with, uh, "So you're Chris Chan." <laughs> that's the first line from my first <laughs> show. <laughs> but, 
that was a long time ago and i decided to not change any of it because i <laughs> wanted to see where i came from and it was just me Aww. putting down a phone in the middle of the table and having an interview with chris chen I um like it. and that's that's it right and it's good to to know where you you came from and you, know, you of course have a, a fantastic uh, a format from the beginning um being uh, you know especially professional uh, uh film uh, uh person and uh video and editing and uh, both Bryn and Barry having written uh screenplays correct yeah both of you yeah yeah and and lots of experience of course watching television and knowing about all of this <laughs> too stuff much too experience. too too much so it's like all of this combined just gives you the three of you have uh, very interesting different perspectives um uh, some you, you agree on uh, some things but you have different points of view and so it just the play is really good and i i like that you know having having three hosts is not necessarily common Mm-hmm. But I think it, it is actually filling uh, a bit of a gap where either you have a lot of solo podcasters or co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, having three just kind of keeps it, you know, keeps it fresh at all times. Yeah. You're never like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't want to listen to that person say the same thing over and over again. Uh, not that I would ever get tired of hearing the three of you speak. Ah. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm so glad that we were able to do this uh, crossover episode, yeah, if you, if you so will. Much. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about personal finance, but I, it's also good to just talk about other podcasts, too. Podcasts yeah. should promote other podcasts, especially ones that aren't in the same genre, right? Because yeah. you may have people listening who are interested in looking for a show. Like, I, I see posts all the time, like, hey, give me more true crime podcasts, or like, now I'm tired of the true crime stuff. Can you give yeah. me something else, right? Yeah. Um, there's lots of podcast groups out there and a lot of people uh, working on that stuff uh, trying to figure out what the next uh, uh, a gem is yeah. and so I'm happy to help uh, you get a couple more listeners hopefully <laughs> thank you thank so you. thanks thank you. for coming on thank you so much all right uh, so next week uh, I have no idea who my guest is still working on that that's the thing about doing a, a, a no plan schedule is maybe I'll have a guest maybe it'll just be me We'll find out, but I, I'm definitely going to do something next week and uh, keep talking about COVID and keep uh, keeping in touch with everybody. Uh, so uh, I'll see you next week.